The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. What is this? Pride move these people back. Welcome to Subversive Cinema. Oh my god! I never forget a face. Especially if I'm sad on it. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, Art Hall, here to be your wrangler of the weird, purveyor of the peculiar, and diplomat of the disturbing. And I uh, am pleased to say that tonight we have another episode uh, that pulls directly from our intro there. You heard at the very end, A Hobo with a Shotgun. That is the 2011 film based originally off the 2007 short film. We'll talk about that a little later. Directed by Jason Eisner and written by John Davies. And it stars none other than Rutger Hauer in quite possibly one of my most favorite Rutger Hauer performances uh, next to Blade Runner. And back again to talk with me about this movie is my buddy, Dan Moore. How are you doing, Dan? Doing well, Art. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. I'm always excited to talk about a film the, where, you know, it's it's a story about a man down in his luck, a pedophile Santa Claus, a burning bus full of school children, and a shotgun. Yeah. So you have you heard of this movie? I had heard of it. Okay, you had, but you had not seen it. Never seen it. Never seen it. And, you know, my usual question, are you glad I made you watch it? I... I I don't know how to answer that. Uh, Let me no. go to some of your messages <laughs> that you sent me uh, while you were watching. Also, this movie, skull and crossbones emoji, and ugh. Ugh! <laughs> oh, oh my! I. It's you're you're you you're. you're you're really right. This movie is just not in my wheelhouse. It's that's probably why I only had heard of it and never gone out of my way to watch it before. Um, uh, so I'm guessing you're not really into the exploitation genre or the grindhouse sort of deal, right? I don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it. <laughs> well, that's going to be great. We're going to we're going to drill and mine into that throughout this episode. Okay, teach so me. So here's the deal. Hobo with a shotgun. Tells the story of Hobo. He doesn't have a name, doesn't need one because he's a hobo. He's an, he's an everyman. He's every single one of us if things just took a wrong turn. And he arrives in Hopetown, a.k.a. Fucktown, my favorite name for a place. And uh, it, it's just absolutely crime ridden. It's just uh, it's just a cesspool. And it seems to me that the citizens can be divided into two groups, psychotics and <laughs> victims. That's pretty much it. Um, it's a place where leisure and recreation consist of beating people with baseball bats while they're hanging upside down, uh, ripping heads off with barbed wire or rope from trucks while they're sticking out of manholes and smashing people's limbs with hammers and things like that, because why not? So in comes Hobo. He's just trying to live his own life. He's doing his own thing. Immediately runs into this guy who's based off the bum fights douchebag. And uh, that's his first taste of the, the, the underbelly of this and watches many people get, get bullied and abused, sees a man killed. In fact, he sees a man whose own brother kills him. That's in the beginning. The Drake kills his brother. And he tries to keep low, man. He's just got this dream. He needs to buy a lawnmower so he can start a business so he can change his life. And he befriends a hooker with a heart of gold and Abby. She uh, takes him in when he gets beaten up. And next thing you know, he just descends into this, this world of violence and insanity where he has to make the choice. Does he get the lawnmower to change himself or does he get the shotgun? to change the world. And I think, you know, by the title, what he chooses. So the lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's later. She chooses it for him. Oh, Isn't it yeah. amazing how the shoe ch- you know, changes feet. Yeah. So let's get to this, Dan. So uh, with the subversive sauce, you know, we're trying to break it down. Look at the characters, the story and the WTF factor. I'm sure we're going to cover quite a lot of the WTF. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we'll get there. 
and then we'll talk about how spicy the subversive sauce is. So let's start with characters. Any characters stand out to you and why? Um, yeah, yeah. The kid who was playing the arcade game who he needs his, his, his mom's allowance yeah he needed his allowance <laughs> to pay back he, the drug dealer <laughs> and so so yeah he popped in uh, you know once or twice but when when he um spoiler alert he gets his wrist kind of like just split against the joystick of, on the machine yes it made me realize up until that point in this movie there are there were a lot of scenes of, of people just getting shattered and there there was yes and i was just thinking is, does everyone in this town suffer from osteoporosis <laughs> or or what's what's up here that was really easy well i do. mean you know he had leverage you know and um and perhaps slick or ivan i don't remember which one it was i think it was slick who did that to him actually you know what no i think that was ivan suffice to say they're both the exact same guy they're they're kind of like Two American psychos together, these brothers. One of them's the favorite son. One, yes, that would be uh that would be slick. Yes. Yeah. The favorite son, even though he's shorter and seems to have just generally less going for him than <laughs> Ivan. But I you know, know. <laughs> and in the typical trope of a movie, he's not the one that you would have expected to be the chosen son. That's all. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what was the dad's name again? The Drake. The Drake. Yeah. There you go. And I think the is very important in this. Got you. Yeah. Even though he's just listed as Drake, but he can he talks about himself in third person. Yeah, he does. He does. A anybody else other than uh Mr. Uh Mr. Uh, I need my allowance to pay for my drug money, mom. Uh Ivan, probably. Oh the, yeah, the lesser the, the, the ice skating guy. <laughs> the ice skating Ivan. Yeah, he, he wore his skates everywhere to his own detriment at one point. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, I kind of I, I don't know. I I don't know why he stuck out to me. Maybe it was it was his the toaster scene that. <laughs> well, the toaster scene's amazing, purely because of what happens afterward at the end, as he's looking at his burnt hand and he looks at his crotch and he shouts, "He made me come." Yeah. <laughs> as if like that's the most upsetting part of getting electrocuted by a toaster is that you ejaculate it in your pants. It's not the fact that your hand looks like. It's just been mauled by a crocodile, yeah, like but yeah, burnt cheese or something. But yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. That kid was pathetic. They're they're all pathetic. They're all pathetic. <laughs> oh how my about, god! How about you, Art? Which character stuck out to you? There's so many. The Drake, because one thing I have to give these guys, I have to give these guys credit for a lot of things. Because first of all, you know, it might not be in your wheelhouse, but this is this is straight up strike right down the middle of the bowling lane for me. Okay. I love this sort of stuff. And one thing they do very effectively is, and they always tell you this in films, make your bad guy as bad as you can. Make the bad <laughs> guy so goddamn bad that, you know, your audience knows without any question who's the bad guy. And that's one thing I really like about the Drake is there is no question about him, Ivan or Slick in that they are the bad guys. They are just utterly evil and reprehensible. And it just that sort of stuff. I just love it. I also really enjoy the chief of police who introduces us to the name of the town that he likes to call it. Uh, and just because uh, his reveal is so much fun, I uh, just want to play a little bit of that. Here is uh, the hobo talking to chief police when he thinks that he's in good company. And then there's a surprise because in comes Ivan taking a peekaboo. By the way, did anybody officially welcome you to town yet? I never do. <sighs> well, welcome to front town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love that he he really stepped in. I think the chief was only in two scenes. He was in this one and then at the very end. Yeah. And he just maintains this frenetic, volatile energy each time. And I don't know, I just kind of liked it. Kind of liked it. Yeah, he was it, it was everything, everything about this town that was set up was just 
I didn't know what it was going for. Where was this town supposed to take place? I mean, obviously in America. Well, they shot this Canada. in they shot this in Nova Scotia. <laughs> okay. Um, I was so like, this is Canada, right? It is Canada. So <laughs> hey, look, this is this is something for all you folks out there who think the Canadians are also nice and polite. Well, they made hobo with a shotgun, so they got a hard edge to them. Um, this town is just supposed to be. I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to be an analog for anything in particular. I think it's just a town that has gone bad because it's small enough that the police are absolutely corruptible, but big enough that it appears that it has uh, enough residents and industry that it could fall into disarray as it has. That's what I was going to wonder too. Who are these people just idling about the town all the time? If the town, if I was in a town that was this crazy I don't know if I'd just be on. I wouldn't be in the town, first of all. I'd just get out of there. Well, you know, maybe it's one of those things that they just don't have a way of getting out. They don't have anywhere else to go. You know, it's uh, it's like saying to you, anybody who lives in a, in a crime-ridden town that's nowhere near as bad as this, well, why don't you leave? And maybe they just don't have the means, you know? Maybe oh, there's just exactly. a, a, a clear class divide here. I don't know. If you're out on the street one day, just kind of minding your own business, and you see a guy behead his own brother in a manhole, by a truck and a barbed wire, I would be like, yeah, maybe it's time to leave. <laughs> oh, you mean an exchange like this? You're a fucking animal drink. You're a shitty fucking weird little animal. The way I see it, I'm a fucking miracle worker because I am going to make it rain. Got it, snake! <laughs> well, that's what I call a blood man. Yeah, yeah, and then I just like, want everyone to know Dan is cringing so much right now. So, fun mental note and side note for me. Um, so these are not the movies to bring to Dan. <laughs> so I guess that means uh, Human Centipede three and murder set pieces are off the table for you. Yeah, probably not. The best. <laughs> 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 okay but wait i will say this about that that part the best uh prop in the whole movie was that guy's head it was, was a like, very good prop yeah it was a really good prop and he's like carrying it around after it you know and i was like what is that did they like cgi like or or or, or chrome key or whatever his body out of the picture or something that that yeah uh, but putting know. it on the putting it on the 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 hood ornament yeah that, that's a good prosthetic <laughs> it was a good it was good it looked just like that guy the um actor whoever yeah they did very well yeah so character wise you know the the chief of police and the drake and of course i have to give some love to the eponymous hobo with a shotgun yeah. I, I i just first of all i love rucker Hauer as an actor yeah there was something about this role that it, it's like he he knows he's in a batshit crazy movie he knows this and he still lent it a certain degree of gravity. And the other thing that I found impressive, and this is partly credit to the writers, but also to him too, is he's, he, he's a, a realistic homeless person in the sense that, I don't know if you've ever sat down and had conversations with some homeless people, but th the way he talks, it's like there is this, this veil of he's been on his own without a home for so long that there is a degree of insanity that comes with it and the disassociation with reality. But at the same time, there's still some awareness and he beautifully weaves that where there's moments of just this, the talk about the bear and, you know, you should be a teacher. You're a teacher. You're this, all these things. And then, you know, it becomes clear. It's like, you know, I'm not really a teacher. He's like, no, oh, I know, but <laughs> what I want to, it's what I need to believe or whatever it was, you know, I yeah, mean, there's some really yeah. sensitive moments. And uh, as is seen in the trailer for the film, his speech in the, uh, the, the nursery ward, newborn yeah. ward is one of my favorites of all time. I don't know why there's just something about it. Just gives me chills anytime I hear it. And I think it's because it touches on the reality that we are all born innocent. We are all born with possibility and potential. And you know, things happen. You either become a bad person or a good person. And who knows what the hobo's story is. But at one point he was a baby and he had a family and here he is now. It's yep. just, it's just such a powerfully poetic thing in this fuck off, violent, vulgar display of cinema. 
that it's just I just love that. And he brings that was it really up. interesting. Yeah, you're right. That was a very interesting scene. Um <laughs> when 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 his his friend, the um the school teacher prostitute, yes. um uh is being like violently healed or or, or, or treated oh, yes. at the hospital. <laughs> um he kind of walks off after she's you know gotten a little better or something. She's she's able to talk still, by the way. Um, well, they only the cut the side of her. Yeah. Like the, you know, the deltoid or so. You're or the, right. I don't know what it's like when I, you know, taking a, a hacksaw to the neck, but I guess maybe they got just the, the meat, the meat. Of yeah. It. They just got the, they just got the, <laughs> the, the, the big meats. Yeah. 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 But anyways, so he walks off and he's looking at these babies that I guess people are still giving birth in this town. You know, well, I mean, look in this town, there's a lot of hooker action. So good point. Good point. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was very, you know, striking to, 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 to think about in the context of this movie and and hope city or hope town or what was it called uh hope town yes <laughs> hope or town. fuck town yes <laughs> depending on how you look at it that's right <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i was very surprised to see Rudger Hauer in this too like i i didn't know he was in it even when i was watching that i watched the trailer before i watched this movie and the the trailer for this movie not the fake trailer that was put in grindhouse um i haven't yeah. seen that one actually but oh, um, it's wonderful and i'll give you some facts about that in a second but yes go on uh so I watched the trailer. didn't even realize it. Not until the opening credits and I saw Rutger Hauer's name in the credits. I was like, wait, he's in this? Is he the hobo? And then I was like, oh my gosh, he's the hobo. What is what is this uh, accomplished actor doing this like kind of grindhouse movie? And not that I think that accomplished actors shouldn't do these kinds of films. I, I, I think it's totally fine. I was just, you know, kind of surprised. Well, you know, Rutger Hauer has a history in essential some grindhouse okay. movies you know i mean in the 80s he did a movie called the hitcher which okay. is and they did a remake that was not good <laughs> all right so i highly recommend watching the original the hitcher it's i think the remake was much more they decided to be much more graphic with the violence while yeah in the original the violence was a little disturbing but it was tempered but the psychological violence was through the roof and he was so arresting and fucking creepy yeah. he was just so disturbed and he he made a bunch of movies like that back in the day um so i think this is sort of in his blood from the 80s i will say he is creepy in blade runner his yeah. character well he's is... well yeah maybe it's uh as uh what would they say michael kane in uh, austin powers it's like it's because the dutch so, <laughs> <laughs> he's a dutchman yeah so i i thought I think this is just up his thing. And, you know, even I was reading an article that even uh, Rutger Hauer thought that the movie went a little too far. Really? But his his answer after saying is like, yeah, it went kind of far. But so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like he knows he knows he's down. He's down. He knew what he was doing. He knew what yeah. he was making. Yeah. Uh, and before we move on from the hobo, I just want to play one little clip here where um, just a, a standoff in early on between the hobo and uh, Slick that just goes to show you the hobo's intentions of trying to bring law and order to this to this lawless town. I'm making a citizen's arrest. <laughs> and who the fuck are you? Put the knife away, kid. Or I'll use it to cut welfare checks from your rotten skin. Well, you better cut one to Mother Teresa so you can give it to her while she's finger-banging you in it! Shut your filthy mouth! Mother Teresa is a goddamn saint! <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking good! You know, it's brilliant! I like his defense of Mother Teresa. Yes, it's, it's a goddamn shit. And then he beats him with his sock full of change. I like that setup. It's also very telling because, look, that sock has all of his savings. So it goes yeah. to show you that justice and integrity mean more to him than anything else, even though he, he does have this internal struggle throughout. Okay, so let's get, let's get to the story. I already ran through it. 
you know it. So did the story make sense to you? And I'm not saying necessarily did it, is it grounded in reality? But I mean, the narrative structure of it, I felt like it made sense to me. Did it make sense to you? Or was there anything that just didn't click very well? No, it, it, with what they were presenting, it, it made sense to me. I, I got it. I didn't really understand what the Drake was in, in the context of this city. Was he just like the big mob boss? Of the yeah, city? I think I think that's what it is. He's like the kingpin drug lord. He's just the unofficial okay. mayor who who politics through power and, uh, and okay bullying. Yeah. So other otherwise, yeah, I I got it. The the one thing that bothered me was just like the townspeople like me meandering about. It looked like they just grabbed a bunch of people off the streets of like Cleveland or something, and then uh, said maybe they did <laughs> stand here or somewhere where you said you said Nova Scotia or I, I believe it was Nova Scotia. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, that sounds, uh, you know, just kind of, I mean, that's, that's about on par for these types of movies, but I, and I try not to ask too deep questions about when the rapper, when you're working with a bunch of extras and they're not like professional Hollywood extras or, or whatever it, you, they end up looking like just the, the townspeople, which actually is not a bad thing. That can be a really good thing. Um, I'm, th I'm thinking for, um, well, this, yeah, never mind. Never mind. I'm going to stop right there. I'm just going to say, <laughs> yes, you're right. The plot made sense. I got, I understood what was happening. There was never a moment where I was lost. I'll just say that. Right. And that's something I have to, I mean, you know, look, it, it, it's, it's, it's not a deep movie and it's, it's penned by people who have a set, who have an understanding of narrative structure. So we're not talking about some of these other indie movies where you know someone just like sat down at a typewriter and hoped for the best so these guys knew what they were doing again is it for everybody not necessarily but narratively it hit, did have a through line there was an arc for everybody everybody evolved the way they should have and things turn out the way well uh, i wouldn't necessarily say that we'd want them to but things turn out the way that felt real you know i mean hobo did a self-sacrifice just for the point yeah. <laughs> um, but again, everybody was all about self-sacrifice at the end with Abby losing her hand into a lawnmower, which looking at that grimace, I'm sure that was, pro I'm trying to think, actually, I want to take a sidebar and I want to okay. guess what was the least favorable image for you watching this. And I'm going to say it was either the hand in the lawnmower or when life gives you razor blades, you make a razor blade covered bat. And then he cracks the guy open like a pinata. That was actually pretty funny, actually. Okay, well, then I, maybe it was when they shoot the cop a ton of times and then he just becomes this pile of goo? Or was it the hand? Um, it was actually the scene I hated the worst <laughs> was the scene with the the um, flamethrower and the bus oh. children. <laughs> I hate Okay. It. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know what, though? I will say, I will say now, because of how they did it, I think that it lends a very macabre humor because they they didn't really show it until you did the pool away where you just saw like through a veil of flames, you saw some kid banging on the back glass, but because they just focus <laughs> on the brothers the entire time, you know, um, it's yeah. dark. It's very dark humor. It's, it's, it's incredible. And the kids watching on the television where <laughs> that's true. And then you yeah. <laughs> But I did love how they brought back the burning school bus later as a visual representation of essentially the bus to hell that yeah. as Flick is dying, he's getting on that bus and he knows he's going to hell for everything he's done. Uh, the one thing, there was that one scene where they're like, they're carving, what was the word that they carved scum. into? Okay, they, they carved scum into the hobo's uh, chest. Okay. Yeah. There was that one scene and then he goes to Abby's house or somehow he ends up at Abby's house. Or she well, he's stung, he stumbles out into the alley. Yeah. Um, scares away a couple hookers. She's talking to actually coincidentally this guy who has this line that I just wanted to share. And I'm glad you brought this up. This foul, gross cop who becomes a pile of goo later. He has this to say as a pickup line. Hey, you're so hot. You make me want to cut my dick off and rub it all over your titties. Well, that's one way to do it. I would beg to say that you could probably do it with it still attached <laughs> if you pay the right amount. But hey, man, whatever gets you to the to the finish line. So it's actually right about this scene when he stumbles out, scares away the hookers, then scares away the cop yeah. in the car, and then she sees him. 
And he's just this pathetic lump who falls to the ground and says, help me. So she, she takes, takes him home. home. And I was just wondering, she she's nice to him. And I was wondering, why did she not dress his wounds? Why? She tried. She put some, um, uh, by the way, I love how the, the movie version of J and B whiskey is B and J. <laughs> I didn't even notice. That. Yeah. On the, on the bottle, it's like J and B, but they flop the two. So it's BJ whiskey. So I thought that was pretty well, I mean, she hands him a sweatshirt and says, here, you can wear this. And it's a grizzly bear. Don't get blood on my sheets. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, he puts it on over his like open wounds. And I'm like, can you not just like wrap them up in it in something like, I don't know. He just like, good night <laughs> like going to bed <laughs> you know he this is the first time he's in a bed in god knows how many months or years i, I i'm sure he just had more important things on his mind yeah but i see what you mean really excited to get in the bed you know like an actual bed oh yeah and I, I, I but i love that you know i like that they didn't try to establish any relationship between them other than a paternal one i did appreciate that that's all they could do right well, have right you not art? Seen, have you not seen Howard the Duck? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I want to see Howard the Duck. Oh, well, great. Now I know what you're doing next season. I'm putting Howard the Duck on this fucking show and you're watching it. Can't wait. I can't wait. I'm totally down. Spoiler alert. There is a uh, very, very, very close and consistent theme of innuendo between Leah Thompson's human character and a fucking duck that walks and talks and wears pants. And there's a lot of sensuality between them. So um, I yeah. can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, what about, uh, what, uh, again, I can't help it with all the dark humor in this. The fucking car with the creepy pedophile Santa Claus driving and okay. the kids in the backseat, like banging on the window saying, help me. Wait, wait, there was a kid in the backseat? Yeah, you didn't see that? I didn't see that. I must have blinked and missed it because all oh I my saw God. was... All I oh, saw no. was a guy dressed up in the full Santa garb with binoculars looking at the playground at the kids. And I'm like, why is he dressed like Santa right now? And why? <laughs> it's, it was actually really funny. It was a really funny scene. It's, I it's so dark. It's so darkly funny. I mean, it's hey, if you can't make fun of pedophilia, then what can you make fun of? Right. Exactly. I, I, you know, I wondered, well, I was wondering, like, how did the hobo know that this guy was a pedophile? Like, because he saw it. He saw this. Now it makes what, sense. It was that angle. Yeah, he saw him driving away with. Uh, and I think that was right before he goes and does his bum fights bit so that he can get his his money to go buy the shotgun. That totally makes sense. Now I was I, I out of context. I was just like he he walks up to a car with a guy dressed like Santa and just like shoots him in the face. And I was like, I get he was a pedophile. But but how do you know that? Now so. It makes sense. I, I, I'm pretty okay. sure you can hear the child screaming in this, but I'm going to go ahead and play the clip for you. So now you can oh, see no. it. So here we go. <laughs> Don't let him take me. Oh no. That's so and, awful. Then you see, and then you, then you have the reverse angle on the hobo looking and watching just like what's happening. <laughs> oh God. How did I miss that? I don't know. You were probably busy like vomiting from something else that was really <laughs> upsetting. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, okay, man. so the story made sense. All right, let's get to the let's get to the fun nitty gritty part here. The WTF, uh -huh. baby. All right, so I know because I am I am not completely detached from humanity and and you know and sensitivity. I know there's plenty of stuff in here, but I want to know from you what your favorite WTF moments were. Um, okay, there were, there were a couple. Only okay, a there couple? Were, there, were, there, were, there are a few I'm going to mention. There's definitely more than a couple. So the first one is the, the newspaper, newspaper headlines. Like, what, what were some of them? Um, Hobo stops begging, demanding change. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes i was gonna say i actually wrote that down too the newspaper headlines that was the one i actually wrote down really and the other one and is just like oh every single one of those is so good uh, parents smile as bodies pile yes because <laughs> i guess the parents are happy that these horrible horrible people are dying but yes. yeah yeah but um and the, the second one i want to talk about is and i is the weird like 
Dracula's brides that are around the Drake all the time. Oh, the ones that played topless pinata with the random dude. Yeah. 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 And and I guess the one that's bathing in the blood, she runs out into this shower of blood. Oh, yeah. She's that's the yeah, the bloodbath chick. Yes. <laughs> the fur coat. And she's wearing a white bathing suit or underwear okay, and a white sure. fur coat. Of course. So you know that was a one and one and done take. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. They did not wash that and say take two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, I'm, very, I'm very curious now. I'm going to look up and see what the budget for this was. Oh, about three million. So they might have been able to get a wow. second. Wow. Yeah. They may have had a take two. <laughs> they may have. Had, yeah. <laughs> but only one. <laughs> yes. Only. Only one. Um, the last thing, and maybe you can help me understand this, but that that Last Supper, the Last Supper, like. Um, with mannequins like set up like the, the disciples and everything and it says the last supper in that Wait, one scene what are you oh, I was like hold on are you making this up what are you talking about this no. sounds familiar but when was this it's what was like going when on? they're when the sons are talking to the drake and and he makes one of them Ivan put his head on the table he's like oh right oh yes 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 and it even says like above them like the last supper last supper or something like that and it shows these mannequins of like what's that about what's going yeah. on there I actually am not entirely convinced that those are just mannequins. Part of me wants to say that maybe they're corpses. I don't know. Oh, no. They do look like mannequins. I think (laughs) that the only analog in life is the time of Caligula to what this fucking guy was doing. That's what I would say. He's a modern day Caligula. So you come into this club, this building, his his house or establishment, whatever you want to call it, and you got people playing bumper cars and crushing people's heads, uh, people playing <laughs> with fair games and smashing limbs. They're playing pinata yeah. with people. They're just it's just an orgy of violence for the sake of it. And there's lots of drugs. And I think that this is like got to be some building that they took over that just has random shit in it. And how? How interesting would it be? Let's imagine that part of this building maybe had a chapel or a church nearby and they took it over and there was an actual tableau of the last supper that was there as part of the building. And this guy is so conceited and arrogant that as he takes it over, he's going to leave that shit up because he sees himself and his sons as saviors, as, as godlike yeah. figures. That's yeah. I, I just imagining that sort of thing. It's funny that you picked up on that because I, I saw it, but I didn't register it. Until I saw it again, now I'm like, ah, yes, yes. But it just didn't it didn't clock for me. But I see what you're talking about now. I wonder also if it it, if it was a setup or something for a cut scene from the movie. You know, um, from what I understand, uh, there was only one thing that they cut, and oh. that was an alternative piece to the ending. Oh, and gotcha. that was just well, an alternate choice they had, which was where Abby on her bone stump, she actually gets like a gun or a Gatlin gun attached to it. part of her going forward to like make it full fucking grindhouse style you know (laughs) because if you have a severed limb stick a gun on it that's what we learned absolutely planet terror so that's what we're gonna do yeah okay (laughs) yeah so that that's my best guess that's my my most educated guess got it i loved uh, and actually i did promise i would talk about the the trailer uh that spawned this yes so actually first art did you share your w2f Oh, um, the movie. The movie itself. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Actually, this is all part of it. Okay. Okay. I mean, but on, the, the part of it would be the way that people were killed. Um, that was just, really? it was That's so, <laughs> it was like, they kept coming up with new and unique, devious ways to do it. It was just so over the top. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say one that if I, I, I don't want to be critical of it because I adore this movie so much, but it starts out. The first minute, minute and a half are tonally and visually pitch perfect for a 70s grindhouse film. From the credit style, the font, the angles, the the grain on the image, the music, everything about that beginning feels like you're going back to see a movie from like 73 or 74. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when you get off the train and he's in Fucktown, then we get to, it still has that sort of filtered look. But the camera work is much more indicative of a modern day piece. So that was like the only, I guess, I don't know, maybe a criticism. Maybe it's a what the fuck were they thinking when they changed it? Obviously, it's easier to shoot handheld and do it quickly and cheaper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
but I, I, uh, I had forgotten how pitch perfect that introduction was to kind of let you get into the world. And then once you're in the world, the content takes you the rest of the way, not the visuals. But other than that, I mean, it's like the idea of the idea of a hobo with a shotgun as your protagonist is so fucking brilliant. I want to know where the idea came from. And I can tell you. All right. Um, you got Jason Eisner, who is the, the director, and his friend, John Davies. So Jason and John used to hang out at this little pizza parlor up in Canada and just shoot the shit back and forth. And they said that they had this one friend of theirs who was kind of this haggard looking motherfucker who had just bought an airsoft rifle that looked like a shotgun. And they were just talking at this pizza parlor where they would just talk about short films and movie ideas. And long story short, the dude just comes up and says, hey, man, why don't you make a movie about me? And they looked at him and be like, what, a fucking hobo with a shotgun? And they looked at each other and said, wait a minute, that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> and serendipitously, that actually came about right around the time when there was the fake trailer contest for the film Grindhouse from Tarantino and Rodriguez. Yep. So they made that trailer that got in there for $150. Whoa. And most of that money, according to them, went, and I quote, on buying pizza and cigarettes for Dave Brunt, the guy who played the hobo. Oh, now he was a guy who was not actually homeless or anything, but he was an older dude who had been living off disability because he had gotten into an accident hit by a drunk driver and he had a hip replacement. So he didn't have a lot going on, but he'd always wanted to be a cop in a movie, but they gave him the part of the hobo in this. Well, fun little fact, when they made the feature version of this, he actually did get to play a cop finally. Really? And he is the cop in this scene I'm going to play who shouts, we're all dirty cops. Grab your guns, boys. Grab your fucking guns. We got homeless to kill, so let's go make some dead bodies. At least he's only shooting the dirty cops. Oh, dirty cops! That is the original hobo with a shotgun. Whoa, I had no idea. And I do remember that scene. That scene stuck out in my mind. Yeah, we're all dirty cops. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what happened. You know, they made this, this thing in a very, very, very cold Canada, like minus degrees and just having a hell of a time. But they made it on a shoestring budget, you know, warded off cops because the blood effects <laughs> were apparently too good in the trailer. And then you got this movie eventually because it, it, it was a, it was an amazing proof of concept. Um, however you cut it, you know, they, they had a tonal understanding that they nailed it. So, yeah, I think the idea of the entire thing is just a big what the fuck is this movie? And that's it's it, a very endearing one. There are plenty of lines. We already covered one. Um, which is getting toaster zapped and then apparently ejaculating from that. <laughs> I, I love the idea of uh, Slick getting cut and then saying, I'm going to wash this blood off with your blood. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I have another secret. There's so many lines in here that are just so good. After all those years living in boxcars and on the streets, I thought I might start up my own business. That's what we'll do. I got my own slogan. You grow it, I cut it. You grow it, we cut it. We'll get out of this town, we'll go somewhere where they have nice big lawns to mow. This isn't the only place grass grows. Are you serious? Yeah. First, I gotta wash this guy's asshole off my face. <laughs> Stuff like that, I love it. It's like this, this nice, gentle pan flute sort of, or, yes. or recorder background. And they're just talking about this dream of the future. And it's like, yeah, all right, well, first I got to wash this guy's asshole off my face. <laughs> By the way, they're all really bloodied up. They're, they're incredibly bloody because the cop that he had just turned into a pile of goo with multiple shotgun blasts yes. at point blank yes. range, they use that carcass as a cover to get him out. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I, know, I wish I could be saying and, and what's his name? The kid calling his mom for his his uh oh for his allowance. I need my allowance, his allowance. early mom. Yeah, he's like in the phone booth across the street looking at him. Oh, and that's when he sees him climb out of the grocery cart with it. That's what it was. Okay. You know what's funny too? They use that phone booth. Why are they keep using that phone booth? The guy is like had just had his dick shot off by the by the hobo, <laughs> and then he like leans back right on the set and like 
puts a quarter in to call his dad on the phone booth as he's dying. The fact that he paid for it, I forgot. <laughs> yes, he pays for it. He puts a quarter in <laughs> or something, and yeah, it was it was that was so funny to me. But um, anyway, go ahead. So you have that, but then also then you have this this sort of moment of tenderness that I had actually referenced earlier. That I again, I just I love it. You can't solve all the world's problems with a shotgun. It's all I know. It's just so simple. I love it. I love it so much. But you know what? I feel like that tells us more about his history, though. I was wondering that. I was like, that's all he knows? Didn't he that's just all. get the shotgun? Well, but, you know, I think I think that just tells you a bit more again about the character that he was, you know, clearly a guy who could handle himself. And uh, yeah. And also the other big WTF, the personification of the plague. They took the plague from history and embodied it in these two demonic armored out creatures that when you see them capture him and take them back to their lair first of all they're fighting cthulhu or some fucking tentacle monster in the dungeon and then you see their hit list on the wall and their hit list is amazing because it includes people such as jesus abraham lincoln the easter bunny hold on let's see if we get a little more of a close-up what's that like joan of arc i think joan of arc i mean there's like historical figures throughout there i'm like so you guys are the ones responsible for killing people. And then when she destroys, I, I forgot what the name of one of them was with her lawnmower. She just chops them up in the bed of the truck. That's when the other dude's like, she has to take his place. And I'm, I just thought that was interesting that there was a sudden turn into uber weird movieville that again, they're fighting tentacles in this dungeon. Yeah. And yeah. now there's this, this myth arc, almost like HP Lovecraftian, where you have these Avengers throughout history that as they die, they get replaced by whoever smote them. And they have to carry on the tradition of taking out only those who cannot be taken out elsewise. I wondered about those stormtroopers. I was like, what's up with these guys? Stormtroopers. <laughs> Whatever. You know, like the dark dudes. I, was like, I know. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> but i like your i like your words <laughs> no they were they were really interesting they were they were just like that silent enemy you know um well they they, they did talk they had like a little they had their mouths moved or something they're on their masks like, yeah uh, just like bit almost <laughs> like little <Yeah>. metal puppets yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but they they were really you know they were pretty they were pretty interesting i i um well, I was wondering about that too. I could not figure that out. Just as to jump back to the Drake and how just vicious he is. I love this sequence near the end when Abby's coming to save the hobo while he's in the manhole with his head stuck. I mean it! I'll melt this fucker to the ground! What do you think? Replace our bow. Just love that the plague says his son is replaceable. They're talking about Ivan. Yeah, one of the few lines replaceable. <laughs> and he takes the plague's advice for this. Oh my god, that this... was funny too that you mentioned it, the plague because the kid, the kid, I can't remember his name, who was asking for his mom's in, uh, uh, you know, what is it? God. Oh, the allowance. He's uh, <laughs> asking for his mom for his allowance. Yeah. He was playing a video game called The Plague. That's right. I forgot. You're right. Oh, look at that. We're, we're helping each other pick up on little things. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah, that's nice. But I didn't even realize that, that there was that maybe a connection there. Or, I don't know. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what is your history with this movie? Yeah, my history of it goes back to when I saw Grindhouse in theaters in 2007 and during all the fake trailers. I just remember hearing or seeing that, like, you know, werewolf women of the SS and don't and hobo with a shotgun. And I was like, what the fuck are all these? These are amazing. I want all these to be real. And then lo and behold, four years later, it was real. And I got so excited. 
Um, and I bet you actually did go and see it in a theater. Uh, you know, it's one of those limited release pieces. So yeah. I probably saw it at the Arrow or one of those things out here in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Nice. So fun fact, you know, not only did they want, you know, they always want a Rucker Howard if they could get it, but they were going to give the original actor, David Brunt, first crack at the, um, the film. Really? But he just tended to disappear for a while. <laughs> he he disappeared and when he when he came back he admitted according to this source that he was just too fearful of trying to carry an entire film by himself so there might be some truth to that (laughs) that could be a little nerve-wracking yeah Yeah. so that's fun you know well this was a shot in 24 days the uh, the Drake's headquarters was supposed to be in a bowling alley, but they changed it to wherever the hell it was now. The beginning of the movie was the very last thing they shot. And the, the eponymous shotgun is a Remington 870. So there's that. that. That was the other thing about the shotgun. He's in this pawn shop. He's looking at a lawnmower that he wants to buy, like a really old lawnmower for $49. And it just so happens when the when the store is getting robbed, he just turns and sees that there's just a shotgun right there on the shelf. Just not even on the shelf, just like kind of hanging on a rack right next to him. There's like a, not even behind the counter, not even locked up somewhere. You know, it's just like right out there with all the other stuff. Well, you know, that's not the more crazy part. The real crazy part is the fact that it was apparently loaded. Oh, yep, exactly. That's, that's the part where you're like, Hmm, wait a minute. Just, there's a shotgun there with an easy grasp and it's not there were at least four shells in there too and uh, i i guess that might be right i don't know um it's been a while since i shot a shotgun yeah well you know you gotta you gotta get back in the practice you know um let's uh i don't know let's see how many um how many shots there were i'm gonna sleep in your bloody carcasses tonight one Jesus Christ! Three. And then there is a fourth one when he shoots the guy at point blank range. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty good. There you go. Yeah. That was um. Fun. Yeah. Pretty so good. there you have it. Any other little moments you care to think about, or 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 do you want to put this in your rear view <laughs> and and watch um, something? Watch something I do not, nice. I do not regret watching this, but. It is, oh, the, the one scene I really liked was uh, the random kid who had vomited all over himself and the nurse and doctor just wheeling him down the hallway. I just oh, yeah. for some reason thought that was hilarious. I'm like, I don't get it, but sure. And he was like shouting about something, wasn't he? Was Yeah, he? he was. And I was like, why did they add that? I don't know what it was, but. Oh, I also loved how the doctor and the nurse, maybe it's because you have a hobo with a, a large caliber weapon over your shoulder, but. They both seem like this is their first day on the job where she was shaking, trying to put the needle into her arm. And then he freaks out when she flatlines. He gets on, starts just pounding and punching her chest. It's as if it was like an exploitation version of ER. This is just yes. wonderful. Can you imagine that on a primetime television? Oh, yeah. Actually, I would love to see this movie on TV because I, it would probably be like 30 minutes long. <laughs> Yeah, and, right. and I also love how when they're wheeling the gurney down, there's a guy who's just drinking a bottle of vodka yes. in the hallway of the hospital. And he just grabs that and pours it on her duct tape bandage to which the nurse nurse says, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this movie's just perfection. Don't do that. It's so, so crazy. <laughs> well, uh, that that I guess, you know, now that I know, I guess I shouldn't be throwing the movie VFW your way. That is interesting because I used to, I volunteered at the VFW for like six months when I was in high school. Well, you made it through this one. Then maybe I actually will make you watch that next season. Oh no. Okay. We'll we'll play it by ear. Yeah. We'll play it by ear. We'll see. (laughs) So the more important question, Dan, that we need to cover before we go for the evening, uh, how subversive is this movie? What's its sauce rating for you? Uh, is it one out of 10 or one out of five? Cause we've done both. Uh, well, so, well, one out of 10 is the usual one out of five was the very first episode. 
And that's when I realized that it's nowhere near broad enough a scope for subversion. So I've actually had to since adjust for uh, subversive inflation. So all American murder Makes now sense. sits at an eight instead of a four. But yeah, so. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, okay, so for this movie, I, I don't know where to put it. I don't know where to put it. Maybe a, for me, a six. I actually was going to put a six myself. Okay. It, it's not because it's not crazy and off the, off the, the charts. It actually delivers exactly what you expect it to yeah. just in big ways. And I think that that doesn't make it not subversive. It just doesn't make it as subversive as it could have been, but that's yeah. not a criticism. It's again, arbitrary scale. The movie is exactly what it promises to be. Uh, yep. which is pretty all over the place and pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, in terms of the overall effect of it, I'd give it a six. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the movie was poorly made for what it is for, for the budget they had and what they were going for. It's well made enough, you know? And I mean, there's no like, there's no like gaffer laying on the ground in the shot, you know, or anything like that that I could catch. There's no like those those mess ups <laughs> for a low budget movie that you you might catch in other things. No, there's there was none of that. Right. So very genuinely and sincerely made, but also, yeah. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Well, rock and roll, man. Thank you, Dan. That's yeah. a anything you'd like to share before we go. Uh, how is that podcast coming along, Dan? podcast is coming along swimmingly great um you can you can find it on most most apparently uh podcast outlets at just one thing just one thing is the name of the podcast just one thing and uh talk about all kinds of crazy stuff on there um but uh yeah it's it's there's some stuff brewing you know for the past four years so excellent Excellent. Well, Dan, it's as always a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you for um, watching this delectable piece uh, for me. I know it wasn't necessarily your cup of uh, ginseng, but <laughs> here we are. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.